Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Atlanta Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Welcome to the UGA Small Business Development Center at Georgia State University Small Business Fuel Podcast, um, powered by Business Radio X, our resource partner um, for this uh, platform. And so we're excited to have a special guest with us today. Of course, our platform um, for this um, uh, radio show or podcast is to um, inform, equip, inspire, educate uh, small business owners, because that's what we do at the Small Business Development Center. So, of course, the guests we're going to have are also in this small business development space um, and are looking, again, to provide resources, education, insights uh, to help small business owners and entrepreneurs grow. And so our special guest today um, is Jay Bailey. He's yes, the CEO of the Russell Center for Innovation and Entrepreneurship. I'm going to allow him to give you, a, of course, over overview of what the RCIE does. But Jay has been in, in this um, community development and entrepreneurship development space for a very long time, um, has made a lot of impact. And so uh, definitely my privilege and honor to have you um, on the show. Oh, Paul, and, I'm and honored to be here, partner. brother. Absolutely. I appreciate you. Um, so for those who don't know what Russell is in, sure. in, in terms of um, the center, um, why don't you give them some insights um, to and, that? And I think given some insight, you got to go back right, uh, to talk about the man, the H.J. Russell Center for Innovation and Entrepreneurship. Uh, in honor of one of the greatest entrepreneurs this city has ever produced. Definitely. You got to think about a guy that stood about five foot 10 with a severe speech impediment. Mm-hmm. Uh, that by the eighties, he had built what was at that time, the fourth largest African American owned business in the history of America. Right. Uh, the building, the 54,000 square feet, the house that Russell built himself to run his company, uh, is what we're turning into the Russell Center for Innovation and Entrepreneurship, the largest center in America. Right. Focused diligently on growing, expanding, uh, giving access and exposure to African American businesses. Uh, this is going to be a special project and, uh, honoring a very special man. And for us looking at bringing the best resources in the world under one roof, we're building something really special on the West side. Absolutely. And, and I think it's significant that it is on the West side. Absolutely. Like you said, it used to be the headquarters, right? Of, of, of the Russell, those who aren't familiar with the construction company, mm-hmm. again, that Mr. Russell built. Um, so, so how did you even get connected, um, to this project? <laughs> <laughs> call it, call it divine intervention, brother. Um, <clears throat> my last job, uh, about three years ago, the girl that would eventually become my wife, I made her a promise. It was really dramatic, brother, uh, by the riverside holding hands that I'd right. never get another job again. Mm. Uh, I thought our community needed more wealthy individuals. Right. Uh, and I had the confidence to know that I could strike out on my own uh, and do it my own self. I've been an entrepreneur since the age of 12. Okay. Uh, so, you know, my team, my assistant, Chris, she had very strict instructions. Uh, any headhunters, any recruiters, the answer is politely no. Right. We're not interested. Uh, until this opportunity came about. Mm. And there are very few times in life where you get to be a part of something that you know will outlast you. Right. Uh, and there are even rarer moments where you get to be a part of something that could potentially change the course of history. And what we're doing at 504 Fair Street checks both of those boxes. I could not say no. Absolutely. And, and of course, you know, entrepreneurship, if we look across the country in Atlanta, ha- has a history back to the, you know, 1800s, probably even before then. So, so what's different about this now than mm-hmm. other entrepreneurs and other organizations have already either tried or attempted sure. up up until this point. You know, I, I've stolen a model. Um, second day on the job, I went out and paneled 1,500 African-American entrepreneurs in the Southeast. Mm-hmm. Wanted to get a, a strong foundation of what the needs were. 
Uh, I'm a firm believer. You don't ever build anything for them without them. Right. And so uh, I got to work and I was surprised at the findings uh, that I thought access to capital would be the number one need of entrepreneurs around the Southeast. Right. And it was not. Right. Number one need was community. Mm. Second was accountability mentorship. Third was access to capital. Fourth was a safe space to work. Gotcha. Fifth was technical assistance. Okay. Most platforms kind of reverse that and lead with the technical assistance. Right. I lo- even looked at and drew on my own college experience. We're directly across the street. And if you talk about the things that make us different, um, the place and space, the feeling of it all is also there. Right. Uh, there are not many assets that are owned by the community to serve the community or by the community for the community. Uh, we sit in a very unique space. Not only is it the 54,000 square feet, we own the 46 acres around it. Mm-hmm. We're directly across the street from Morehouse, Clark, Spellman, Morris Brown, ITC, Morehouse School of Medicine, two miles away from Georgia Tech, one mile from Georgia State. Um, we have the opportunity, what they did in Cambridge with MIT and Harvard, what right. they did in the Research Triangle, Duke University of North Carolina, what they did in Austin, literally Silicon Valley was birthed out of Stanford. Mm-hmm. Right. What right. could we do in Atlanta if we started to galvanize the best of Atlanta, funnel it, channel it, weaponize it under one roof, concentrate it? Mm. I think anything transformational requires concentration. Absolutely. And the model that we're using is is a bit different. Um, just like the college model. I went to the University of Georgia, had an incredible time. But Morehouse and Spelman are right across the street. Right. And if we went to Spelman and Morehouse Homecoming and by the tens of thousands, they mm. show up every year. <laughs> it's a, it's a phenomenon. Right. It is. And if we asked a hundred alums, you and I took that iPad and asked a hundred alums one question, talk for 10 minutes about your experience at Morehouse or Spelman, not a single one of them would bring up a single class that they took. Right. It wasn't just about the curriculum and it wasn't just about the syllabus. Mm -hmm. It was the community, the culture and the covenant. If we're able to capture that, wrap it around a world-class curriculum, wrap it around world-class instructors and look at the continuum of engagement. For the life cycle of a business, not just an episodic program. Right. Partner with great people like SBDC. Why would I do things that you guys already do great? Right. This collaborative model that's more of a crowdsourcing of the best resources to provide access and readiness is a different model. So in the same way, when you were in college, uh, if you didn't fulfill all the requirements for your junior year, you didn't become a senior. Right. Right. This platform is really dedicated to get companies what they need to mitigate the mistakes they would make and make sure that they're a, they're a point of readiness to right. do business at the next level, then giving them the access to do it. Right. Absolutely. And, and one of the key things I think you mentioned, and I have you unpack it a little bit more, is is not self-contained. And Correct. So like the Russell Center is not saying we have all the resources within ourselves. We have everything you need come here because we're producing it. Yep. But I think you key thing you said, right? It's the community partner. So talk about some of those community car- partners, including the SBDC. Hey, and if I have it my way, brother, you're going to have an office. By the time I'm done. <laughs> we're working on it. But it's, it's, um, again, I think that, that when you talk about true collaboration, put right. some skin in the game. Absolutely. So Absolutely. when you talk about effectiveness for entrepreneurs and small businesses, uh, my team did some research a couple of months ago and there were like 253 entrepreneurship and small business events in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Right. If you're a small business owner managing a payroll or trying to run a balance sheet, you don't have time to source through all of these right. assets and organizations and programs and pitches. You need concentration. Right. So now right. in this space, not only will we have the George Micro Enterprise Network and access to capital for entrepreneurs, the Atlanta Wealth Building Initiative, uh, the SBA, the Secretary of State's Office, 
um, Invest Atlanta, SBDC, mm-hmm. bringing in right. tools and resources. What used to take you three years to connect the dots with all of these re- organizations and relationships right. now takes you three days. Absolutely. You can go see everybody you need to see in three hours. Absolutely. Now right. you're talking about the mentorship, the training, the access all in one space. That's going to be special. And we've just not had that before. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I've had a chance to, to, to tour the, the facility. It's, it's incredible. And even the things that are continuing to be built out uh-huh. um, along those lines. And, and one of the things that you mentioned in those kind of one of those key points that are, are lacking, right, for those entrepreneurs is that community space. Sure. Right. And that's, I think, one of the most significant things in, in that facility. Because, again, you can go to a lot of different places, like I say, and get training. You got a lot of different places to take classes. But it's not necessarily a lot of places that you can go and find like-minded people. Right where you're galvanized kind of around that same concept around entrepreneurship where you can kind of leverage that. So talk about why that is so significant. um, And I think it's time for all of us to have a really courageous conversation. Right. Right. And it's a really courageous conversation around race and access. Mm -hmm. Um, If we look at the city of Atlanta, we lead the country in income inequality. Right. We lead the country in economic immobility, the worst city in in America. Uh, A child born into poverty has less than a 4% chance of reaching the middle class in the city of Atlanta. Right. Which you think would be opposite of that. But the harsh reality is this. If you're looking at the geographic barrier or borders of Atlanta, there are no poor white neighborhoods. In APS, there are no failing Latino schools. There are no Asian ghettos. We have to be very courageous and stand in the conversation that almost 100% of the poverty in the city is African American. Right. And if we create an economic development strategy that isn't focused, deliberate and intentional on impacting those most affected, we're being intellectually disingenuous in our tr- approach to move the needle. So that goes back to community. Right. It's right. the very same reason that HBCUs will always be relevant. Definitely. Almost mm-hmm. every corporate structure has a diversity and inclusion strategy. Mm-hmm. But what does inclusion mean if you're just including me in a space? You've made a space for me in your sp- in your building or your organization. Right. But if I don't feel like I belong, what's the point? Right. This heightened experience around belonging. Being able to see value in my own reflection, to see it in my own community, be able to have that and feel comfortable to be able to take off the armor and literally have a safe space to fail and fly is something that African-American entrepreneurs just have not had. This center represents not just an exclusive space where we're only saying African-American, but it does give us the opportunity to level the playing field and give us that needed advantage that we need to actually be competitive. Right. Um, that community that we're building, there's a difference when I'm one of 50 in an organization or in a cohort. Right. Um, my guard is up. I'm protected. And if I can't be vulnerable, it's really hard for me to learn. Absolutely. That part is unique. And that part is also not just because we want to be exclusive from all others. We want this to serve as a bridge to all others. Absolutely. Be it Georgia Tech or ATDC or Atlanta Tech Village. The things that they're not able to help, we're able to be strong in, especially from a cultural and a community right. standpoint. That's when we start to become really powerful. Absolutely. Definitely complimentary. Right? It's complimentary, brother. It's not competitive. Point. Absolutely. And and one of the things that, that you talk about, I think, um, in, in terms of that kind of poverty and, and wealth gap that also is impacted by this, if you look at the numbers of, and we, we tout all the small businesses that get started right by African-Americans across this country, right? it's, it's blown the, the historical stats out the water. Mm-hmm. However, though, if you look at, peel that layer back, the numbers say what, 96 to 97% of all African-American-owned business, right, have exactly one employee. And that's themselves. Right. Exactly. So it, exactly. it gets misleading when you say that one employee, meaning that I hired someone. No, 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 no. no. Right. That sole proprietor is that Self, one employee. Self-employed. Yeah, absolutely. So if you look at the 96%, and also, uh, it's kind of like a fire made out of pine straw. Mm-hmm. We tout the number about the number of startups that we have. Right, right. 
But check three years from now and how many are still in business. Absolutely. That part about growing and scaling to the point where you can hire an employee, raise your revenues, et cetera. Right. And also, brother, there are very few resources out there. SBDC is one of the greatest. Mm -hmm. That if I have a business that's making a solid 300,000 in revenue, I'm not a tech startup company. Right. But I don't really have a pathway to go from 300 to 800. Right. But the way that I look at it in that 300 to 800, that $500,000 gap, means I'm hiring eight more people in that community. Mm -hmm. That means my wealth profile goes up. I'm in business for the next 10 to 15 years. I can come out of survival mode and start thinking about what retirement may look like or putting savings away. Right. I can think about succession planning where somebody may be able to buy this company when I'm done, those jobs, those revenue, that hope stays in that community. I got a t-shirt right. made that says exit is not my strategy. Right. The companies that we're trying to help, those main street companies, as well as startups, as well as tech companies, but there has to be a universal space where everybody can get resources. And if we know that small business drives every economy, right? we have to create economic development strategies that lower the barriers to entry for people that are trying to create jobs, increase revenues, increase wealth. Yeah. Affordable housing strategies are great. Right. We got to look at a segment that looks at affordable business to make sure that we're able to move that needle. Absolutely. And and the concept of right around capacity building right, is, is connected. To how do you define connect capacity building and where do you see again Russell? Mm -hmm. The Russell Center playing a role within that. I think, you know, I'm only in two businesses. I'm in the readiness business and I'm in the access business. Right. Our job is to make sure that companies are at a point of readiness to do business at the next level, whatever that means for them. Right. And then providing them the access to do it. So, you know, if I have a, a partnership with Delta Airlines and they're trying to increase their spin with African-Americans because of that partnership, I understand what it means to be Delta ready. Right. Something that may have been a, a foreign concept to someone who's shot in the dark for a small business. Now I'm able to take that small business and actually work with them to get Delta ready. It's like having the answers to the test. Right. So if I know Delta needs these 15 things before I make that connection to Delta with you, I know that you got all 15. Right. In my opinion, when you talk about capacity building, it's not just in space. Just like if I was teaching my son how to play baseball. I would not get him a book on the history of baseball and how to play it right. and sit him in a room and tell him to learn how to play baseball. Right. I get a bat and a ball. We go outside and I hope he gets hit with a pitch mm -hmm. because he's going to learn. Feel it. This experiential <laughs> right. learning platform is where I also line it up with capacity building because it has to be demonstrated acumen. Right. And you have right. to be able to show that not only did you learn the material, but you've actually taken it into real time and into the marketplace and tested it. Right. And so right. capacity building without execution I think execution trumps everything in business. Absolutely. We act, then we learn. Right. And so capacity building in the center is really based on experiential learning. It's really based on just demonstrated acumen. And it's yes, the, the curriculum and the learning, but it is also the action that happens outside of the, uh, outside of the curriculum. Absolutely. You can't really do capacity building in business really uh, in a vacuum. Correct. Right. Right. It has to be, like I said, engaged and experiential and even, um, I think iterative. Absolutely. Right? For someone to try to jump from a, let's say even a $500,000 coming to $5 million, th that's light years, right? And how brother. you have the mindset that you have to have. So there has to be an iterative process, right? As you go through that. And it's part of our, our model that we've created. It's called the big ideas model. Mm -hmm. Inspire, develop, execute, accelerate, sustain. Okay. So you can go from curiosity to a concept. Once you have a concept, how do you go from a concept to actually creating a company? Now you have a company. Where do you go for your customers? Right. And from that customers, how do you look at growth and scale? Gotcha. And it's a pendulum model because the way that we look at it, even if, as you talked about, that whole new skill set going from 500 to 5 million, 
Got to focus on the whole entrepreneur as well. And that is one thing that we want to bring to the marketplace. That's a good point. Well-being is something that we do not focus on. And if we don't look at the loneliness, the depression, the anxiety, the stress that goes along with starting a new enterprise and actually bringing the therapists and the dietitians and the yoga art. I mean, all of these things that look at well-being and the whole entrepreneur will miss the mark. But back to that model of inspire, develop, execute, accelerate, sustain. It's a pendulum. Right. And even if you get to the mature stage of that $5 million company, you swing back to inspire. Absolutely. Because you have to be iterative, as you talked about, and you always have to be thinking about who is my customer and how am I serving them in the marketplace and what is the problem that I'm solving? Absolutely. If you don't, you become blockbuster video. Absolutely. Well, you went a direction I wasn't planning on, but I'm, oh. we're we going we to stay there. No, yeah, this is good. This is good. Um, I'll look back to wellness uh-huh. uh, because one of the things that I um, talk about, you know, when we're teaching small business startup um, classes and resources and get your business plan, right? Because we celebrate the grind and the hustle, yep. right? That, that That's almost like a badge of honor for an entrepreneur. But typically, if you go like on Amazon today and, and look at all the books that are out there right about entrepreneurship, there's going to be very few that talk about mental wellness and well-being of the entrepreneur. Everything is be more about the technical aspects, right. right, of launching that business, right? And very little to talk about the character that's needed as well as the well-being. So let's, let's go to this oh, a little man. bit more because we, um, we don't talk much about that I aspect. told you, I'm not going to make yeah. a whole lot of friends with this journey, brother. I want to disrupt and I want Absolutely. to because I'd be the one that steps on a ledge and says, you know what? You can show me revenue. You can show me jobs created, et cetera. I would venture to bet that wellness is just as good an indicator as revenue or employees created or however you're measuring companies right, right now. Right. If you feel like s- crying in a corner every day, it affects your bottom line. Absolutely. If you're contemplating taking a header off the side mm. of a bridge, it affects your bottom line. Absolutely. And Absolutely. if we don't start talking about these things, and I've d- seen a little bit of research done on the higher percentages of entrepreneurs and small business owners around suicide, mm. well, around depression. Right. We got to talk about it. Uh, one of the things that we're bringing to the marketplace and we're working with Accenture right now to do it is the business readiness index. Mm-hmm. There has to be a common language that we can speak that looks at the progression of a business, the overall health of a business and incorporated in that index is a well-being index. Right. That part has to be a part of the measurement of how successful a company may be, getting the full profile of who a company is. Right. Uh, we're excited about that piece and bringing that well-being and wellness construct to the forefront when we're talking about entrepreneurship and small business. Absolutely. And, and it reminds me a little bit, of course, you know, we're in the NFL off season, right? And they're going to be oh. doing the, the, the combine and, and you hear come out of the combine, right? They have this wonderlick test, yep. right? So that, that has nothing to do with that players on the field skills. Correct. They want to understand the mental makeup. Correct. Right, of that player. Correct. Right. To be able to then fit into a, a pressure packed environment. So Correct. it sounds like a little bit like what this is. We've got it. We've got to go a step further. Right. Um, if we want to grow and expand and actually be able to measure how effective we're really being, mm-hmm. we've got to think deeper than just jobs created and revenue. Right. There right. has to be a more comprehensive way to look at tracking our effectiveness in the work that we're doing, right. but then also establishing a common language where supply chain and uh, procurement officers, banks, direct investment, angels, program to program. Right. Because you've seen right. it even at SBDC where people keep t- taking English 101 over and right. over again right. and they never advance. Right. But if we had a common language, when I send them to you, you say, well, you already have this kind of acumen. You already have this demonstrated kind of skill set. We probably need to focus on this right. rather than take you all the way to step one. 
Right. Absolutely. Uh, we're excited, but this is, this is, this is groundbreaking work that we're hoping to venture on. We're a startup definitely. too. Right. And we're just, le- right. we're learning what we know and what we don't know. Definitely. Definitely. So, so if you're a, a new entrepreneur, um, or maybe you're an existing entrepreneur and you've been in business, but you've been struggling and, and you hear about the Russell Center. What is that experience like initially to say, Hey, I, I want to utilize this as a resource. Sure. What does that process look like to get engaged in and to begin to walk through a, a life cycle? If you so will. we are launching the big ideas platform in March. Okay. So for entrepreneurs that are interested in it, please go to our website, rcie.org, get on our mailing list. But it's just kind of like the sorting hat and figuring out where your business is along that continuum. Gotcha. Similar to the college model, freshman, mm-hmm. sophomore, junior, senior. Right. Graduate student, PhD, based on where you are being put into a track for where you're trying to go. Gotcha. And so if it's, it, it takes the best of peer learning models where we have you match with peers. It takes the best of one on one coaching that we have. Right. We're talking about curriculum that's sourced throughout. So there are parts of our curriculum that are built in to look at the best of what SBDC offers, mm-hmm. the best of what ATDC offers, right. the best of what other programs offer to make sure you have the most comprehensive access and exposure to learning role models, mentors, et cetera. Right. Um, it's, it's very, it's continuous, it's individualized and it's experiential. Absolutely. So it is not a static class for a number of days, but is literally creating a space, understanding where you are and where you're trying to be. Right. And creating the pathway to get right. there. Yeah. And, and I think one of the most powerful things about that is oftentimes when we looked at like in particular, let's say tech incubators, right. Uh, and throughout the history and across the country, they typically are very exclusive, right. Mm-hmm. In terms of what you either, either the industry you have to be in or, right, or a certain level or whatever you're doing. And again, it's very exclusive. This, this seems much more inclusive or including certain people who wouldn't have been able to get access oh, absolutely. Uh, to other spaces in, in, in the past. Absolutely. Right. So, so this is the opportunity for you to get the help that you need at the level that you are. Right. right. Um, you know, that shirt that I have made exit is not my strategy. It speaks to that piece of we're not looking to make everybody Google. Right. We're not looking right. to make the next Uber or the next Facebook. Right. If you have a lifestyle business, a main street business or whatever people are calling it now, mm-hmm. and you're just looking at getting a good handle on my HR and my liability. Right. And I'm trying to look at just growing to the point of hiring two more people, right? doing 25% more revenue. Mm-hmm. That's my personal goal. And back again, I'll keep going back to this college model that I pulled from. If you and I went to the same university, the same major started on the same day and graduated on the same day, if you pulled our transcripts, they'd be different. Mm-hmm. Right. Same major, same school, same time, same graduation. The college model allowed for Jay to have the experience that I needed based on what I thought would make me successful. Right. And if I wanted to take some journalism classes and we were both business majors, mm-hmm. I could. Right. And if you wanted to focus on French because you want to do inter- international business, you could. Right. If they forced us to take the exact same courses and move along at the exact same time, how prepared would we be on the other end? Would we be at a state of readiness that worked for both of us? Right. We had to create a program that was nimble enough to account for the individual business owner and their trajectory that is absolutely different to the, from the person sitting right next to them. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so as, as you're kind of navigating kind of the city and, and different organizations, what kind of message, I guess, do you have for other small business organizations oh, as yeah. it relates to connecting with, with RCIE? Collaboration is key. Right. Um, I hope that, that we as a city, um, can really believe, not just know or understand, but believe that we're stronger together. Right. That we right. can go farther together. That each of us brings a certain component to the eco village. Right. 
<clears throat> and the component that we bring, uh, if we actually got smart enough to get out of our own way, mm-hmm. start using the collective resources that we have in this beautiful city, right? we could build something that nobody's ever seen before in history. Agreed. Atlanta has all the ingredients. You know, I, I chastise my people out in Silicon Valley and in Cambridge and everybody else. We're a hell of a lot cooler than any of those oh, cities. Absolutely. <laughs> Mountain View's cool and Google right. is cool. And my it's Google folks, I love you, but it's not Atlanta. <laughs> right. You know, absolutely. Cambridge is cool and they got yeah. great bars, but it's not Atlanta. Right. Research right. Triangle is cool and Austin is cool, but it's not Atlanta. Yeah, absolutely. And and we have a obligation over this next 10 years. Right. To really think deeply about how we could come together and make something that will last for generations we'll never meet. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think, you know, one of the key things that, that goes along with that, um, even earlier when we were talking about, you know, impacting African-Americans, right, economically. But you figure that the rising tide like lifts all boats. Oh, man. Right. So I think that's one of the keys about collaborating is the impact overall is going to impact everyone as an economy, not just a one group of people. Brother, I tell you what, man, here it's just the numbers game. If you talk right. about class in the city, you get raised for free. Mm-hmm. We're 54% right. of the population. Right. And so if you've got almost half of your population not really participating in the economic mobility of your city, you right. got extreme drag. Absolutely. It's in everybody's Absolutely. best interest to activate that 54%. Absolutely. Absolutely. Firm believer, brother. Guy equally distributes brilliance, talent, and genius. Mm-hmm. So how is the kids on the north side of town in Buckhead want to be doctors, lawyers, accountants, and run businesses? Right. Kids on the south side want to be rappers, athletes, and dope dealers. Mm-hmm. It's not rocket science. It's a, it's a, it's an equation of access, opportunity, and exposure. Right. This mm-hmm. benefits everybody. More wealth on the south side means more wealth for the city of Atlanta. Absolutely. More jobs on the south side means more wealth for the city of Atlanta. If we lead the country in these horrible statistics around economic mobility mm-hmm. and income inequality, a lot of that heft comes from the south side. Right. We've got to start to eradicate it if we want to move. Absolutely. We have to. Absolutely. And and continuing to build on that um, in connection, let's say a lot of the unique industries, right, that are here in Atlanta. Oh, yeah. Whether it be the film industry, of course, the entertainment <clears throat> industry, even the you know, financial technology. industry. How do you see Russell Center engaging in those different kind of especially those major pillar industries that, sure. that have established themselves here? In Atlanta? I want to be the convener. And I certainly want to be the convener for this particular community. Right. So when we talk about the future of the cannabis business or the future of fintech or the future of energy and power, being that convener to be the the conduit because we have the access to bring the information to the community. When people are saying, well, we didn't even know that was coming. Right. We've got too much talent in this city. Definitely. We've got too many corporations. We are the epicenter of so much that's happening that impacts the world. We got to make sure that we have a window to the community so they at least know what's going on. Right. What are the problems of today? But let's talk about where the hockey puck is going. What are the problems of tomorrow? And how can we start preparing to solve those problems of tomorrow? We've got it all here, brother. And and we want to be that convener, that that switchboard, that window to the community for access, opportunity, information. Absolutely. And uh, I think that's one of the strong roles that we'll play, bringing the community together to make sure that we are all in the know on what's coming next and what's happening now. Definitely. And, and of course, a lot of what we're talking about in terms of, let's say, existing business owners, typically, let's say, are, are adults, right? Mm-hmm. 20s, 30s, 40s, and, and beyond. Uh, but what also what initiatives do you all have? Because I know you do. Mm-hmm. Related to teenagers, right? Youth oh, and young adults. Um, let's let's talk a little bit about that. It's a 2.0 version. It's not my first priority because the first is to get the building built and everything else right, done. Right. But if I have it my way... um. If we put the same amount of effort in finding the next H.J. Russell as we do the next LeBron James, right. we'd actually move the needle. Absolutely. I don't care if you can catch a ball, throw a ball, kick a ball, 
I don't care what little part of the country you're from, they will mm-hmm. find that talent. They will. They will <laughs> nurture it. They will develop it in hopes of making the next LeBron James. Right. What if we were able to find the best entrepreneurial talent and energy in our marketplace? Bring those kids together, kind of like an AAU for entrepreneurs. Nice. We're now at 14, 15. You're around a cohort of entrepreneurial nice. young minds. Right. Put them around you. Put Absolutely. them around me. Put them around other yeah. entrepreneurs. They're learning the best curriculum and the best entrepreneurial mindset. Mm. You get that kid going through. They go to college. They're there for four years trying to soak it all up because they know in that fifth year after they graduate, Absolutely. they're starting their company. Definitely. It's a um, it's a very deliberate and intentional way to go after those. Like, and most of the time, guys, it's it's uh, for those entrepreneurial classes that do reach the elementary, middle, and high school level. Right. It is episodic. It is a volunteer going in for a couple of days talking about this concept of entrepreneurship. Mm. And almost in every case, there are 30 students in that classroom. 22 of them are kind of zoned out because they know what they want to do and everything else. Maybe right. six up think it's interesting, but there may be that one or two that will chew through a table. And they know that they want to be entrepreneurs. But at the end of that program, they get the certificate like everybody else. That volunteer leaves, and they're left into an, left in an environment that doesn't support an entrepreneur. Right, right. We need an outlet for that talent. Because I guarantee that the most innovative person on the planet is a single mother with two kids making 17 grand <laughs> a year. Right. If we can Definitely. get into her mind and how she makes it work, right. give her the access, the opportunity, the tools necessary to be successful, right. the mindset to believe that she can do anything Absolutely. and watch her fly. Absolutely. We miss out on a ton of innovation. And quite honestly, we miss out on GDP growth. Right. Because some of the best ideas and the best minds are never put in an environment where they can fly. Yeah, absolutely. Necessity is the mother of invention. Right? Lack is the mother of creativity. Come on, right? brother. We keep going to go down that path. Come on. Um, but but absolutely. And, and I think that's one of the key things out of everything you said, right, is, is the environment that mm-hmm. it's created. I think it's one of the most unique things and special things about Russell, um, the Russell Center, in, in addition to everything else. So if there were any, let's say, parting words or, or thoughts that, that you have, um, you know, for our audience or listeners, um, across the city, maybe even across this country, what are some maybe two or three points that, that you would leave with them mm-hmm. um, that you would want want them to know about the Russell Center? Yeah, I mean, I think the community is important. Absolutely. We're building something special on the West Side. Definitely. Uh, when someone reads the articles in the USA Today or Inc. Magazine about what Atlanta is supposed to be. Right. I want to start delivering on that promise. Right. You pack up your family, move here on the hope of what it could be. At least we have a destination where you can get started. Right. And a collaborative network. So even if we don't have all the answers, we're able to connect you to those that do. Definitely. Um, it's time for Atlanta to really realize the true potential, realize its potential. Um, we should be global leaders in every regard. Absolutely. And I think that we have all the ingredients to do it. Um, what we're building is an inclusive model and there's a space for everybody to play a role. Uh, everybody to bring the best of themselves and to create a better themselves collectively. Right. Um, you know, there's an African proverb that says, you want to go fast, go alone. You want to go far, go together. Uh, and every email that I write almost every time I end it going farther together. Absolutely. And, uh, that's what we're building at the Russell center. It's going to be a special place. And, uh, it's just the beginning, brother. Absolutely. And of course, then speaking on behalf of the EGA, SBDC at Georgia State University, again, we, we definitely look forward to that partnership and that collaboration. Oh, absolutely. Because uh, again, we had definitely a lot of shared interests and goals, um, you know, from, from that respect. And, and as oh, we were said, talking about you last night, brother. Right. So your ears yeah. might have been burning. <laughs> that, that's what so, it was. So, then, right? so know that, that you're <laughs> in the mix. Indeed. Yeah. 
Definitely, definitely good. And so definitely appreciate your time. Oh, I know thanks, you're Paul. a busy man all over the city, but doing some great work. And so appreciate all the work that you are doing well, um, in, in this space. Um, and, and definitely hope you'll come back and visit us again. Oh, brother, I'm honored to be too. here. And I, like I told you, we got a roadcaster pro down there at the center, man. <laughs> so maybe you guys want to come down south a bit and record the next one. We're, we're open to Absolutely. it. We'd love uh, to. Absolutely. Definitely. I love it, guys. But thank you so much for having me, Paul. Uh, and the work continues. Uh, I thank you for the work that you do in the community and helping our business Absolutely. community move forward, getting the word out, providing the information, the training, uh, the hope Definitely. that things are possible that come through SBDC. It's a beautiful thing, brother. Absolutely. Thank you. Absolutely. My pleasure. So, of course, you want to learn more about the Russell Center for Innovation and Entrepreneurship. Just go to RCIE.org. Yes, sir. Um, jump on the website, social media. Absolutely. Get access to all the events and activities and how to just get plugged in. My brother. Um, is key. Absolutely. Appreciate we'll see it. You soon. See you soon. Hi, and you've been listening to Small Business Fuel Radio, um, powered by Business Radio X and the University of Georgia Small Business Development Center at Georgia State University. I'm your host, Paul Wilson, Jr., so stay tuned for the next podcast that will be coming at you very soon. 